Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's March 30, 2015 and this is episode 465. Canon have just released the new EF 11-24mm f4 USM lens and having picked mine up on the day of release after a few outings around the city here in Tokyo we're going to take a look at this lens and its images today. When I first heard the rumours that Canon were working on a 14-24mm lens I was ecstatic but when the rumours shifted to the range being 11 to 24 millimeters, I became slightly concerned that the image quality might be compromised by making this lens start at such a wide angle of view. When Canon tagged the announcement of the new 11 to 24 millimeter lens onto the announcement of their upcoming super high resolution 5DS and 5DSR cameras, my concerns disappeared as I knew that Canon wouldn't release a less than stellar lens as a partner for cameras with such high resolution. It remains to be seen just how well the lens will hold up to the mammoth 50 megapixels of the 5DS, but I'll spill the beans up front here and tell you that on the 5D Mark III, Canon's 22 megapixel body the images are absolutely stunning. When I picked up my 11-24mm, I was initially surprised by the size of the lens. It's big. I'd say the 200mm f2.8 lens and the 180mm macro lenses are bigger, but I don't own these lenses, so for me, the 11-24mm is easily my biggest black Canon lens and it weighs in at 1,180 grams, or 41.6 ounces. Here's a photo of the 11-24mm with my 40mm prime and 16-35mm lenses for comparison. And remember, if you're listening on an iPhone or you, know, you don't, I know that there's still problems with Apple's enhanced podcast format, uh, so if you need to look at these images, just go to the blog at mbp.ac465 and click on the images to view them at full size as well, especially the ones where we're talking, talking about 100% crops and things like that. So for comparison, my 14mm prime lens, which has so far been my widest lens, weighs in at 645 grams or 22.7 ounces and the 16-35mm f2.8 lens is actually a shade lighter at 635 grams, 22.4 ounces. So both of these are almost half the weight of the new 11-24mm lens. Apart from even better image quality, my main goals in buying the 11-24mm lens was to replace the 14mm and 16-35mm lenses and hopefully gain not only an extra spot in my bag but also reducing the weight. I will be reducing my gear weight by 100 grams, and although that's not as much as an extra lens worth which I'd originally hoped for, 
I will still have that extra free space in my bag, which is always welcome. I will be selling the 14mm and 16-35mm next month, now that I have had a chance to work with the 11-24. Both of these original lenses are still excellent, of course, but there's no point in owning all three of these now. Sure, there's a gap from 24mm to 35 that's not covered by this new lens, but my medium range zoom is the 24 to 70, so there's no gap in my lineup at all. The lens comes with an integral lens hood that cannot be removed. The lens cap is a large, rather deep cover that fits over the lens hood and clicks soundly into place. You have to press the buttons at the top and bottom of the lens cap to take it off, which is nice and reassuring. Unlike other lenses where I generally take off the lens cap and leave it off for the entire time I'm shooting with the lens, with the 11-24 and with my old 14mm prime lens, I tend to take the cap off only while I'm shooting and then put it back on again straight away whenever I lower the camera. It's a bit of a pain to put this large hood into a pocket and get it back out again each time, but I think it's worth it to protect the front element. With it sticking out so much and being so large, I'd hate to bang it on something and scratch it. Because of the aspherical front element, you can't attach a screw-in filter to the front of the lens. But like the 14mm Prime, there's a gelatin filter holder on the back of the lens. I rarely use polarizer filters these days and because the results would look pretty wacky on a lens this wide, I'm not going to get into buying a, a large filter system that you add to the front of the lens. I really only need neutral density filters so I buy sheets of triacetyl cellulose ND filter from Fujifilm and cut myself little squares that I, they, if you cut the corner off, it includes the ND number and I just drop them into the holder on the back of the lens as you can see in this photo. I actually keep these in 35mm slide film sleeves and carry them all in a single slide plastic case that I bought from my local camera store years ago. So the system is compact and works well. With regards to weatherproofing, the manual says that the tight seal structure of the lens provides excellent dust proof and drip proof performance. However, it is unable to provide complete protection from dust and moisture. That's enough assurance for me to basically treat this as a weatherproof lens, especially as the lens has an internal focus me mechanism. So. Nothing protrudes out of the front of the lens as you focus or even as you zoom. In the field, experience tells me that most black L lenses can be used in the rain and snow without protection, although with my 16-35mm lens, from time to time I'd get a touch of moisture inside when I shot in rain for long periods, so when possible it's a good idea to just drape a cloth over the camera and lens. 
especially as I usually use my wide angle lenses on the 5D Mark III, which is not weatherproof. The wicking effect of a cloth is usually enough to prevent any damage in prolonged wet conditions. For just light rain, I generally just let the gear get wet and wipe off the moisture from time to time with a cloth if it starts to build up. I don't use rain covers as I generally just don't like them or feel them necessary. I work like this at my own risk though, so don't complain, come complaining to me if your gear dies using it this way. Understand that there is risk as the manual states. Okay, so let's take a look at some of my example photos with this new EF 11-24mm f4L lens. I literally just used this lens over a few different outings around the city rather than doing lab tests as such and this enables you to see how the lens performs in the real world. This image was shot with the lens set to 11mm at f8 ISO 400 for a 50th of a second. For you to take a look at the detail in the corners and like all of the corners rather than doing lots of 100% crops. I'm going to include a download link in the blog post for the full size JPEG. You'll need to go to the blog post and just right click on the link below this photograph and select download or save as or whatever it says in your browser. If you just click on the link it will probably open in a window within your browser and you can save that to your desktop but Right-clicking and selecting download or save as will probably be best to get a copy of the full-sized image onto your desktop. And then you can open it in an image viewer and zoom in to 100% and check the detail. You'll be able to see that even though this was a handheld with the lens at 11mm, the detail is quite remarkable and there is no blurring in the corners or anything like that that you usually see with very wide angle lenses. This lens has a super UD or ultra low dispersion lens element in addition to a UD element to reduce chromatic aberration. And in the most part, these seem to have really done a good job. Although in some circumstances, you can see a little bit of CA creeping in. I've noticed a slight amount in the corners of one or two images, but when it does occur, it's easily handled with Lightroom's Remove Chromatic Aberration checkbox in the Lens Corrections panel of the development module. And that just gets rid of it perfectly well in one click. Here's an example photo looking straight up at the buildings in Shiodome here in Tokyo. And there's a bit of chromatic aberration in the top right corner, which is the worst example that I could find in a few hundred photographs. This was shot at f11 ISO 250 at a hundredth of a second, again with the lens as wide as it will go at 11 millimeters. Here is a 100% crop of the top right corner of the image so that you can clearly see that purple fringe along the edge of the structure there. Click on the image and ensure that your browser window is opened up wide enough to view the image without any resizing 
so that you can actually see the image at 100%. And in this image, after I turned on Remove Chromatic Aberration in Lightroom's Lens Correction panel, it basically disappears, as you can see. I think I can actually detect a very slight green fringe after the lens correction, but it's not enough for me to be concerned about or try to correct with the sliders. I imagine a future update to Lightroom will also bring a lens profile for this new 11-24mm lens, which isn't currently listed. You can create your own lens profiles, but I won't go, into, go to the trouble just yet. Not only is the current level of correction plenty for me, I really haven't seen chromatic aberration on enough images to warrant going to the trouble of making my own profile. Canon's Digital Lens Optimizer feature in DPP also doesn't yet support the 11-24mm lens, so I can't say how well that will handle these fringe cases either. Pun intended. The manual also states that this lens has a circular aperture to produce beautiful bokeh. What this really means is that the diaphragm has lots of blades, so it's as good as circular. Now. On a lens this wide, I'll rarely be overly concerned about the quality of the bokeh because I will rarely be getting in so close that I'll have that shallow depth of field. But I do like to work with the starburst effect that you can see in this next example image. There are 18 points in that starburst, which is lovely. There were six clearly defined points to the stars created by the 14mm prime lens, as you can see in this photo of a sunrise from Bihoro Pass in Hokkaido. Which one you prefer may well be personal preference, but I personally think the sunburst with 18 points is much more pleasing to the eye. The 16-35mm lens had 14 points by the way. As you can see in this next image, there's also very little distortion, even at 11mm. There's just a tiny bit of barrel distortion that is more prominent in this photo of the inside of Japan's House of Representatives Diet Building, but this again is easily fixed in Lightroom with lens corrections. Even with the current absence of the lens profile for this particular lens, Needless to say too that this image was not even possible until now with the new 11-24mm lens. I was right on the edge of the press photographer's box here at the front of all of the spectator, spectator seats. Even at 14mm this image was just not possible. Also note that this image was shot with an, the aperture wide open at f4. Keeping in mind that the, it was shot at ISO 3200 with a shutter speed of 125th of a second. Here's a 100% crop of the top right corner so that you can see that this lens is as sharp as tacks even at f4. Don't forget to click on the image on the blog again to see it at a real 100%. Here's another quick example shot to finish with from the Tokyo International Forum building, which I love to visit, especially with 
a wide angle lens like this one. I've converted this to black and white in Silver FX Pro, but otherwise it's straight out of the camera, as are all of the other examples today. And here, once again, is a 100% crop, just so that you can see the amount of detail being captured by this lens. Note that this is taken from the bottom edge, so again, you would normally see the image starting to streak here a little. But apart from a tiny bit of distortion due to the very wide angle of the lens, there really is nothing at all to complain about in this image. So, how did Canon get this lens to be so sharp while creating the world's first rectilinear 11mm lens, and a zoom lens at that? Well, apparently there are a few things that contribute, such as the sub-wavelength coating, or SWC, and air-sphere coating, ASC, which Canon says significantly reduce flare and ghosting. The sub-wavelength coating is basically a layer of nano-sized cones which are smaller than the frequency of visible light, which cuts down the re reflectivity of the surface of the lens element. The air-sphere coating is exactly what it says on the box. It's a coating on the surface of a lens element that contains tiny little air spheres or bubbles at fixed intervals, which, because air is less refractive than glass, greatly cuts down flare and ghosting. You can see a bit of flare on the, in the image of the red umbrella with the sunburst earlier, but this is without doubt less flare than you would see without these coatings and is actually quite a pleasing flare to look at. It's definitely not nasty looking flare and I can confirm that I really haven't seen that on any of the images that I've shot with this lens over the last few weeks. I've not really had a chance to take this lens out into great landscape environments yet, but I already know from my images over the last few weeks that it's going to perform excellently wherever I take it. Natural scenes are actually more forgiving than the man-made lines that we see in interiors and art architecture, so my example images today are probably more telling than natural landscapes anyway. As we start to wrap this up, here are my final thoughts on the new Canon EF 11-24mm f4L USM lens. This is an extreme lens with a hefty price. The lens is currently retailing at B&H at $2,999, but when you think of all the technology that's gone into this lens, I absolutely do not think it's overpriced. Note that I buy all of the gear that I review, so you can rest assured that what I say here is my own personal opinion, and I give this new lens an absolutely 100% thumbs up. I have literally found myself giggling like a teenager as I've poured over the detail in the images that I've been capturing with the 11-24mm lens and my 5D Mark III over the last few weeks. I'm honestly not expecting the 5DSR that I have on order to be quite this sharp when viewed at 100%, but I do expect the results to be absolutely astonishing, 
and at 2.5 the times the resolution even with a slight drop in sharpness if indeed that's what we see it's still going to be an amazing amount of detail to work and print with as kind of an aside I'd like to talk a little about how I'm finding renewed faith in Canon as a company. For a while, as people jump ship to the mirrorless market in their droves, I've been a little bit disappointed with the lack of innovation from Canon and Nikon for a while. At this point in time though, I can safely say that I've never been happier to be a Canon user. This is not a dig at mirrorless or at Nikon. If I could afford to run two camera systems, I'd probably already have a mirrorless system as well. But for my wildlife work, I've had an absolute ball over the last couple of years with the new 200 to 400 millimeter lens with the 1.4 times extender built in, and now the 100 to 400 millimeter Mark II lens and the 7D Mark II. With the, up the upcoming 5DSR. My landscape work will stay with Canon now for the f foreseeable future as well. Sure, I'd love to downsize my kit. I'm not getting any younger or stronger and I feel it like everyone else when I'm carrying around my full kit. But hey, with what's happened over the last few years, I really can now carry around my full kit. I mean, I can now go from 11mm to 560mm in just four lenses with the 11 to 24, 24 to 70, 70 to 200, and 200 to 400 with that 1.4 times extender built in. In reality, with the 100 to 400 Mark II being even sharper than the 70 to 200 f2.8 Mark II lens, I think I'll now be dropping that into my bag instead and have a small gap between 70 millimeters and 100 millimeters. But I can live with that and still have most of the range covered in just four lenses. Although still heavy, I can actually carry it all around in one camera bag. When I was using my 600mm and 300mm, as well as the 16, the 14mm, the 16-35, the 24-70 and the 70-200mm, it wouldn't even all fit into my back camera bag with two bodies. I used to carry the 600mm in a separate bag over my shoulder and that was all so heavy that it was just not possible to do for long distances. Now if I need to, I can at least go a few kilometres with my entire kit and without wearing myself out. I'm not going to hike for hours unless I really have to but that's really necessary so it doesn't really bother me. I think Canon have outdone themselves with this latest range of product releases and the upcoming 5DSR, which I will of course be among the first to report on when it arrives. I've never been happier to have remained a Canon user and never been as excited with what the future holds. It's an amazing time to be a photographer. Anyway, if you think that this lens is for you, you can help to support my efforts here by buying with our links and you can jump directly to B&H including my affiliate link with the short link mbp.ac slash 11 24 millimeters 11 to 24 millimeters 
Of course, the product price remains the same to you, but we get a modest payment from B&H when you use these links. I've also included a widget on the blog post with links to some of the other gear mentioned today. And once you click through to B&H with one of these links, we get recognition for the pur purchases, so you don't need to keep coming back and clicking through. This is all really helps to keep the ship sailing though, so thank you for using our links. In addition to the landscape opportunities coming up in my Namibia full circle tour, I'm really looking forward to getting back to Iceland with the new 11-24mm lens. We have just four places left open on the 2015 Iceland tour and workshop. So if you'd like to join me, check out details of that as well at mbp.ac slash Iceland 2015. We're going to have a blast. Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with your friends. And if you don't already, please subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure uninterrupted delivery. You can find me on Google+, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com. So do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.